This is a special edition upload courtesy of the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, as well as the GameSportsShow.com, Spotify, Apple, Podbean Podcasts, and Facebook or Instagram. Special edition uploads are courtesy of having guests or guests on the show or information outside of the show's usual schedule. We will caution you that some language might be offensive to some, but to be prepared for an electric segment courtesy of the game. Now let's go to Dave McKegg Jr. and the crew inside the Game Entertainment and Media Studio. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. This is the special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media along with the Game Sports show.com the special edition upload is brought to you by compass imaging group and demansky office interiors make sure you check out compass and demansky on facebook instagram and their website on current sale options that will not only meet your needs but also exceed them from signage banners main office gear and much more make sure make sure you check out compass imaging group and demansky office interiors you're currently listening to the game through one of the many media platforms in particular with spotify podcasts apple podcasts podbean podcasts Facebook, and or Instagram, where you can find all uploads of the game. You may have also been directed here through one of our amazing sponsors or broadcasting partners, such as ESPN, ESPN 1400, Sovereign Communications, On TV, Northern Superior Brewing Company, Sports Center Bar and Grill, Northern Quitters in Need, North Shore Sports and Auto, and Thrush Creative Co. And speaking of Thrush Creative Co., got to give a special shout out to Aaron Robinson. If you're on our website listening to the stream right now, just check out that website. It is fantastic. If there's a guy that knows how to do a website, it's that guy. So make sure you check out Thrush Creative Co. You can follow them on Facebook or reach out to Aaron Robinson, if you need any contact information, don't hesitate to reach out to yours truly as well. And of course, I mentioned Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office here is right from the top. So why not mention them again, as this special edition is obviously brought to you by Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors. Now, getting to the special edition co-host, a man who is a full-speed demon, let me tell you. A peer legend for his trademark clap bombs from the top of the circle. The one and only Brendan Brooks. Brooks, how's it going? It's good. It's good to be back again. <laughs> definitely now you know what we've had a lot of great special edition uploads a lot of great guests and we got a great guest of course here tonight joining us and we obviously got to say that just to keep him happy jokes aside though now getting to the guests the main reason why you clicked on this link of course listen show not just to hear myself or hear brooks or hear our intro or hear music anything of such you clicked on this because not only can you search him online and if you did search him online his name is ben Boudreau, and yes he is known as Bruce Boudreaux's daughter. <laughs> and that's the intro you're getting, Ben Boudreaux. Ben, how are you? Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for rolling out the red carpet. I uh, you know, couldn't feel any better going into this conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I've, been, I've known about that for years. I don't know what to do. I mean, it's there. <laughs> I honestly think we may have cut a player or might not have played, played a guy at some point who knew what to do. And then ever since then, it's been up there. But it's been there for a solid five years. So the second somebody thinks they've got a secret they're about to tell me, it's like, okay, I know what's going. I know what's coming. <laughs> See, I thought when we were off air, before we were going to do this, I told you, I was like, you know, are we going to be okay saying this right off the hop? Yeah, and then you guessed what it was, and I was like, oh, I kind of wish you didn't know, and it was a little secret, but I guess there's a lot of people who are clicks away from searching your name and everything and can get that information. So Bruce Boudreaux's daughter, how do you live up to that hype as a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I got a, I got an older sister right now too. She's uh, she's doing uh, pretty good in Ottawa. You know, Ottawa's yeah. first mobile airstream uh, wine bar. If anyone wants a little plug out there, Cellar Eighty Two, get a little uh, mobile drunk there. But uh, no, it, it's funny. You know, it, I don't I don't know how to go away. If you if you know how to do it, a couple clicks, somebody uh, tell me, and I'm sure uh, we can resurrect that there. <laughs> oh, I, well, I think Brooksy, we got to help him with that because yes, yeah, now that we used it, let's get rid of that now. Now that we've used it, we've had our laugh with it. We can help him get rid of that. You know, maybe you know, put something. You can put something else. You can put Bruce Brujo's, you know, son with like three ends if you want. Heck, why put daughter? I don't get it. I think I like what you said. Maybe it's somebody that you cut or scratched back in the past that maybe got a little upset. But none, nonetheless. It certainly well, made boys. There's a lot of things to be known for, and and Bruce Boudreaux's daughter right now uh, <laughs> is not one of them. So let's, let's find something else there to be proud about. <laughs> Love that. You know what? Speaking of things to be proud of, obviously going a little bit of the corner route here. You obviously you've had some great success so far in your young coaching career. You all, you also played 
a little bit. Obviously, I know you didn't play uh, with Brendan, uh, like obviously as far as maybe Brendan has or etc. But your coaching resume is fantastic. Okay, and obviously being you were a part as assistant coach at Bakersfield, Norfolk, and then obviously now being the head coach of Fort Wayne, it, it's obviously been a good ride for you as a coach, and you've obviously had somebody to look up to. Of course, that is uh, your father, Bruce Brujo, as everyone would know, NHL coach, and. Overall, Ben, like get into what you're doing right now uh, with your coaching and everything that just has worked out great for you to this point. Well, for, for anybody listening that, that loves hockey, it's it's uh, a story I think a lot of people can relate because if you, you know, uh, Google the name and you look up the playing history, it's like, OK, you know, an average career. I, I got some minor league games in and uh, was able to, uh, to to get to a finals and lose in the finals. But um, it was always just a passion for hockey and whatever I could do, wherever it could take me, uh, I was always trying to get there. So um, played a couple years in the minors. I, I played senior men's league. Uh, I took a year off and I, I got into film, which is what I went to school for, only to get back into coaching, only to go play in Europe. Um, and, and it was this constant need just to be involved in hockey somehow. And even when I was doing the media for the one year, when I was 20, 26, I think it was covering local uh, junior B teams and, and going to air for a new TV station. But it was always just the, the grind and hunting down, finding a way to continue to be uh, involved in hockey. And so I was lucky when I got to be 28 and playing Paris, France. And when I came back, I had this coaching opportunity out west. Um, and it was, uh, you know, one of these hockey academies that everybody sees that are popping up and, um, you know, I was single at the time and it was in, uh, the Okanagan Valley, right in, uh, Kelowna and spent a couple years there. And it just, it's one of the best parts of the world. And again, it wasn't that, Hey, you know, I want to be a coach cause, cause my dad's a coach. It was just, these guys are willing to pay me to work at this hockey academy. I get to be on the ice and work with kids. And, and it was, it was the next stage of my life, just chasing a dream of, of always trying to stay involved. And. Um, you know, coaching there for the two years, it, it was, uh, it was kind of eye opening cause I loved what I was doing. It was, it was awesome for anybody that loved hockey. It was 24 seven, which was great. And I got so lucky after my second year, I interviewed with, uh, uh, the Edmonton Oilers and, um, got, got a, a lucky position cause their assistant coach in August, uh, got a job in the American league. So I had to fill a vacancy quick and the job offer was for 15,000. I had a girlfriend at the time who just moved across the country from Ontario to BC and, you know, sprung it on her with a 24 hour notice to make a decision. So right there, that, that, that was the opportunity that changed everything for me because it was just going from, you know, uh, uh, just everyday life being in a hockey academy. Next thing you know, you're coaching pro hockey, but it's, it's not as glamorous as it was because we were making 15 grand for the year, which is, you know, you're, you're, you're making nothing, but it's more about the, the opportunity and, you know, I spent uh, five straight years in, in the East Coast and you don't make a ton of money as the assistant until you finally break through the door and just completed my first year as the head coach. And, you know, we were going on a pretty good run when this thing got canceled. So it kind of sucks. But you look back and, and next thing you know, it's been eight straight years of coaching and um, you wonder where the time's gone. So it's been it's been a ton of fun so far, just as far as how I got into the coaching scheme and how lucky I've been and some of the success I've had out of nowhere. Definitely. Now, Brooksy, I'm going to go over to you right now and to lead that into. It sounds like just having the conversation with Ben just off the, the hop, great of a sport he is, and just talking to him off air that he'd be a great coach to have. And no, I'm not asking for a tryout or anything, Ben. I <laughs> or anything like that. But obviously, Brooksy, going to you, you obviously have good ties with the family, especially uh, involvement with Bruce and everything. And uh, the coaching, it's just fantastic, it seems so, the entirety of the family from Bruce right down to Ben. Yeah, well, for sure. You know, I think I met Bruce or uh, Ben from his dad, Bruce, uh, is how our friendship started because I was so close and went to the hockey school, the Golden Horseshoe, all this stuff we're going to talk about later. But first, since you brought up the coaching and, you know, your first year there in Bakersfield and what you were making, I know at the end of the season, you have a story for me and I want to hear it. <laughs> well, they're, like, they're, it's funny. I, I like listening to podcasts, right? And you know, if you want to get viewers, you got to keep them entertained somehow. You can't just be a mundane, go through it. There's got to be some sort of entertainment value. So we're we're thinking of all the, the glamorous things that you go through in the minors. And one of the things is um, my first year in Bakersfield was the last of, of the Condors in the coast. They went up to the American League. So um, that team moved to Norfolk. It's, it's from California to Virginia Beach, right on uh, each coast. So 
you know, you're not making a ton of money. Uh, my girlfriend at the time had moved home to Ontario, start working early. And uh, a buddy came out and, um, you know, he's supposed to help me pack and move. And what, what, what happens when a buddy flies out to California, right? Like, we ended up going <laughs> golfing twice in a row. I think we drove to Anaheim because the Ducks were in the playoffs at the time. And, you know, you're, you're having some drinks. And the night before, we just started packing. Like, we were throwing everything in the truck the next day. I'm sure everything's going to break. And we're on a, you know, on a four-and-a-half-day trip that we got to go across the country. And we're just throwing stuff in the back here. So we got to get out of there because we've got uh, somewhere to be the next day. I think we were trying to make it to uh, uh, Arizona. And we, we've got this big U-Haul, two-bedroom two apartment that we're um, packing. It's, it's Anaheim playoffs. And I've got the two-wheel tow dolly to pull my car. A little Honda or a Hyundai uh, uh, Elantra, right? So we embark on our journey. Things are good. Um, we make it down the road, and we we're in Bakersfield, three-lane highway, 60 miles apart, and we get up to a red light, and then we we peel off, and a car pulls up next to us and starts hammering on its horn. And um, in my car, I've got the Ducks flag, right? My dad's coaching Anaheim during a big playoff, third round, and you know, and and California, it's got that buzz where hockey's on there, and somebody pulls up to me and start giving me like the thumb, like, you know, the thumbs up. Right. And I'm thinking I start honking the horn back at them. I, yeah, go duck. Right? I'm, I'm into it. They're honking their horn. They're trying to get my attention and, you know, giving me the thumb and then they just peel off. Cause I'm just giving them the thumbs back. Well, <clears throat> next car behind them, they pull up, start giving me the thumbs up, honking their horn, going wild. Right. My buddies in the, the passenger seat here say, I think you should pull over. They're trying to get your attention. So I, I pull off into the first like exit I can and I see behind me that I'm no longer towing my car. So <laughs> the, the U-Haul. <laughs> the, the U, I'm in the U-Haul, but I'm no longer towing my car. Like I left my apartment with my car on a two-wheel tow dog, right? And I'm thinking everything is secure. Everything is good. And next thing you know, I'm driving up on the highway thinking these people are giving me the thumbs up because the, the duck's flag is flying. My car took off on the highway. It like I didn't have it strapped in right. <laughs> I dropped it in the middle of the highway going 60. So uh, there, there's all my stuff. And we're packing across the country. So the car's filled with pillows and blankets and everything like that, too. And the first thing that we did was pull off. And like you, you can imagine your heart pounded. Like I'm just on the highway. I got no car. Like it's it's gone. It's somewhere. Like you can only imagine the fear that's starting to set in the first thing we hear is the sirens, right? So I'm thinking like I've created just an absolute catastrophe. You, you couldn't believe the panic, the fear that sets in, uh, the sweat that's going through my body right now. Cause I'm thinking, Oh my God, my coaching career is done. I've just killed somebody. Like, so, like I'm thinking everything is done. So I turn around and it's, um, we drive and it's about a five minute drive. Like I dropped this thing off a while ago. And, uh, so we come back and there's flashing lights and surrounded and my car's just like in the middle of, of a T of a three lane highway. It's just parked diagonal. And there's the cops are looking through it. Like what happened? And, uh, I'm on the other, uh, on the other way, trying to just honk them and get their attention and I'm shaking and I'm trembling and I can't, uh, I can barely move because I think I'm getting in trouble. Well, I go unscathed. Everything's fine. The car's got some dents and obviously, uh, um, like it's fine. Like the car's fine. It's, it's been a miracle. Right. So two days later, we're in the middle of Oklahoma and there's floods and there's trenches and, uh, everything's going on emergencies. And we're in the middle of Oklahoma again, driving across the country. Well, a car comes up behind us or beside us and they give me the, the honk and the thumb again. This is two days later. And I'm thinking, okay, it's the exact same thing. Panic fear sets in. I start looking and, and weaving to see if I can find the car and I see it. And so I, pull over and both the wheels have blown completely off of the trailer that 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 is towing the car so it's only been rims okay so for again there's no rubber left on these things i've been cruising down the highway in the middle of oklahoma just towing these things on rims so imagine the sparks that i've been carrying flying on this you all right so i'm having man at, oh it's burnt to a crisp like the, the whole trailer was done because the black smoke like it was starting to get like black smoke i was carrying because the things had blown up so um we're stuck in the middle because nobody could get us for six hours because of the emergencies that were going on and we're in rural oklahoma so we're looking at each other like this has got to be the worst trip that you could uh just even put anything to together so 
um just and and everything you're doing is on a dime too right making no money living in the middle but you look back <laughs> and the, the funny thing is about hockey it's one of my favorite stories because that's what it is you know going from city to city and grinding it out and we we survive somehow but those are the ones you look back and think it's funny now but fuck was it ever hell like going through it so funny story to tell now though oh it, uh, it, that's it, great it's crazy like <laughs> you literally have those types of stories to tell obviously it seems and when you do have that happen to you being in that freaking moment i literally would have been the same way you were heart just fluttering career you think is ending you definitely thought you murdered somebody i would have thought the exact same thing i actually probably would have thought the car would have been just absolutely dismantled but the reaction that you're giving thinking of the thumbs up that's the kind of stuff that you see off a movie <laughs> like we 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 joke about that like we're like, yeah, let's go, Ducks. <laughs> and imagine me. Like, they're trying to tell me I just dropped my car off. I'm giving up there. Yeah, go, Ducks. Like, oh, my God, we're idiots, right? But we, we survived that. It was good. Yeah, that's great. Well, also, Ben, like, I want to go back because, um, you know, how we went met, you know, through the Golden Horseshoe Hockey School and, uh, you know, how great of a hockey school and the amount of hockey players that came from there. And um, I know that you're a big part of that now. And, uh, you know, from your coaching career and how you've transformed and, and taken over, you know, what your dad started. And I think that's amazing. Uh, do you want to tell a little bit about, you know, the Golden Horseshoe and what's going on there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those things before we even start trying to describe it, that until you actually go through it, like Brooksy was the first guy um to ever ever go from start to finish you know i think he was there when he was three years old in uh 1982 and ended up graduating uh when he was 16 17 years old but we've been 38 consecutive years the same week in august in uh st Catharines, and um it's been a labor of love for the entire family right so so my younger brother andy he's living out west in bc and him and i are uh now co-owners of it my dad's doing his thing and our entire family, like I'm talking cousins, aunts and uncles and wherever they are, whether it's in Ontario, uh, Michigan, you know, my brother flies in. It's the one week of the year. Everybody's under the same roof because we all know it's the same year the hockey school is. So we all descend on St. Catharines because uh, uh, we grew up there and, and run an amazing uh, hockey school. And I, I know I'm saying that, but honestly, you've got to go. And some of the touches, like the little things, like we have uh, four and a half hours of ice a day. Uh, the people providing lunches, there's there's 240 kids, uh, the NHL players that come, the autograph uh, material from the NHL. Like we gave away over 120 autograph sticks, um, just just game used autograph. You know, here's a, uh, here's a Barkov, here's a Bergeron, here's a, you know, whatever it is. And, and another the NHL gives jerseys away and we promote. Um, you know, uh, uh, good, good sportsmanship and, you know, you can nominate a beauty and next thing you know, the kid, uh, which you paid good money to go to this great camp is walking away with an autograph game. You stick and, you know, he's meeting the NHL players and he's on the ice making friends from all over, uh, the U S and Canada. And, and we had some English kids and some Australian, um, as well too. So there's just this massive labor of love from everybody, uh, in the camp community and i'm talking all the ohl coaches all the, the the cis and the ncaa and the buffalo sabers guys and you know any anywhere my dad's ever coached or any relationships we've ever met as far as the boudreaux family along the way we always ask for them to give back to the kids and the sheer amount of help and the people that come down and and give back it's it's this week that can cannot be duplicated unless it's for the people you know, and, and all the extras, like all the, the jerseys and the giveaways and the, the, the sports and the, the parents that get on board to make it for the kids, that's always been the recipe. You, you, you do what's best for the, the kids. If you make it for them and, and the pure enjoyment, they're going to come back year after year. So we don't do uh, the brochures or posters. It's just been word of mouth. And we typically sell out for August right in the, the May area. And this is the first year that's actually a big question mark because we got no idea what's happening in Ontario with, with hockey schools. And, um, it's actually spawned. We got, we own five of them all over the country, uh, with, with us and Canada now sprouting out, but the big one's still in St. Catherine. So, you know, it, it's the same thing. We always go back to the same part of the, uh, uh, city and, and we give back to Niagara and the, the Niagara residents as far as coaches and players and, 
um, everybody like that. They always help out. And even guys like Brooksy will drive down from Sioux, whether whether it's to work a day or, or just uh, steal some free food for a day, whatever it is. But you'll make an appearance. And, um, it's, it's a lot of relationships like that that just keep repeating itself. So it's awesome. You know what I'd like to even add to that with hockey schools? You obviously, the family and all that being a part of it for long. You must have seen how the hockey schools had to change what it's had to do with the kids, right? Like the game has changed. Everything has changed in terms of skating. Or do you find that things are the same from once you started it till now? Or is there any kind of difference at all? <laughs> there has anything. To, oh, my God. If my dad was still running this thing, we'd be, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. We'd be in a lot of trouble, I think, just from some of the things we used to do. The ultimate sit-ups. Um, I don't think he can do that anymore. But uh, um, we used to have uh, buckets and gloves, you know, like we, those were some of the best times when the counselors would put the kids in the room, buckets and gloves. But, you know, now you can't do that. We used to do the gauntlet, you know, like every oh, Wednesday yeah. we'd introduce hockey and do the gauntlet. And you know what that's all about, Brooksy, too. Like, you know, yeah. there's going to be some tears. And and now well, you, can't, you can't do that. I, I don't think you yeah. can do those. Well, I think we need to explain what the gauntlet is to the people who don't know, because it was my favorite drill ever. And like you said, you can't really do it anymore. And what it is, you set up a guy on each line. So there's six guys going one way and then six for the other. And you got a guy at the blue line, a guy at the red line, and the guy at the far blue line. And then there's a pylon that you can't go outside of. And the, guy that, that the, the guys that are in the middle, they throw their sticks away. And you have to try to stick, stick handle through these guys and your job is to try to hit them as hard as you can or take their head off. And uh, it's, it was just such a fun drill that you can't do anymore. <laughs> you and, can't do it because as camp owners, you don't want to be responsible for the torn ACLs from a drill like that. Where it's, man, I, remember, <laughs> oh, I remember clotheslining somebody, some big kid who was so much bigger than me. But I'm like, I can't hit him straight on. So I'm going to jump and clothesline him because that was the only way I could figure out how to get him down. So and, you know, everybody has a laugh. And then, you know, he goes in the middle next. The next thing you know, it's his turn, you know. Yeah. But I, uh, that, yeah. You know the direction that, that hockey is going in, though. Kids want to dangle. Kids want to sauce. You know what I mean? you got to make it fun for them. And that's that's the biggest thing about any hockey school. I mean, you go there and crack the whip and get them to work hard, and it's in August, and they're not with their teammates. I mean, you lose them. But, I mean, you throw some stuff out there on the ice and, you know, toe drag here, chuck a little sauce over here, boom, you know, get them engaged, have a little shootout at the end. I mean, do it with some great people on the ice. I mean, that's that's a recipe for success because that's what I think the kids want to do in the summer. You know, they want to get away from the the crack and the whip. And remember when they go to camp that that it's camp. You know, these they're they're meeting kids from all over the the country, and you make it fun for them. So that's what that's what I found is you know wasn't Brooksy's specialty. It was usually chip it off the glass and go and get it. But you know, the kids want to do the skills these days. See, oh now, yeah, it's 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 so like. When you had, even when youth hockey, Brooksy, you can attest, I know you're a slight bit older than I am. And I say slight because you're not too far, but you got to think 12 years on me. But nonetheless, uh, age aside, you have, you have even from the 80s to the 90s, there's a change, 90s to thousands, thousands to now. It's uh, like it's it's obviously an evolution of the game, and it's like changing to what it, what it is from European styles. What we've used a lot on the show is what we've compared it to as kind of way the game is going. And we don't mean that in a soft way, but it's not the North American type style where you remember it as. You as a coach, Ben, and also doing the power, uh, power skating school, everything like that, uh, the hockey school, sorry. it's It's got a you got to adapt to the game as what it is, and that's what makes you a successful coach or even a successful player. But I'll say flat out that the way it used to be is better. I'm sorry, like that the hitting, that they don't teach that until a much older age group now for youth. The, the game is size, like like you can be 5'9", and you could blow around a guy, and you could be a top player in the league a lot easier now than what it used to be. You know, back then, it doesn't have a lot of, the stories like Martin St. Louis or Steve Sullivan, those stories are were great. Those they weren't as common as they were now. You got you got guys like Mitch Marner, the the musician out there in Toronto, as an example, who's a smaller guy and can literally walk everybody, and you can't clutch and grab him. If you're Dustin Bufflin, you're are you think you're going to stop Mitch Marner? Yeah, he's a pretty good defenseman. Dustin Bufflin is, but you're not going to stop a guy like Mitch Marner because you can't clutch him, you can't grab him, and the hitting is 
going back to what that point is, the hitting is not the same as what it used to be. And I think it should always have stayed the same. I'm not a fan of them taking out the, the hitting now being at a later age or the, like having the, the hitting being taught later and also just the game, how it's changed in that direction. But I do agree with one point is that once you're in the summer, I love this. I think once you're in summer mode, the training should be there, but you should also be in that fun mode because of the whip being cracked for the entirety of the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't, can't disagree anymore. The one um, you're talking about hitting, like if I was designing a team, our league is sort of like uh, um, the roadhouse rules where, where not a lot applies. We only have one ref, right? Even major junior OHL, all those, those leagues, they got two refs, American hockey league, two refs. You can't get away with that shit. And, um, in our league, believe me, you will go nuts if you're a head coach thinking, you know, how does he get away? Like we had, we had some of the biggest brawls on the ice, uh, just because we didn't think that we were getting, getting, you know, our due, like we got our, a guy's head cracked open. The ref didn't see it. And, you know, next thing you know, we've got to send four guys out on the ice for, for some justice type thing. But in our league, that's the one thing I found the guys that can do the skill and skate, but they still have that, that physical edge. I mean, those are the guys that, that you still want. Like, there's a good mix of skill guys, but you can't have a team of skill guys anymore. Uh, or or you can't do it right now and still expect to win because you're going to get beat up when it comes push to shove. You've got to get that right balance, like, of that physicality in there because if you don't if, – if that game, part of the game gets taken away, um, you don't have a great team identity. you got to have that physicality as part of your game. Do you find as a coach now – you do you not grab a straight enforcer like do you make sure that if you do grab a big tough guy or somebody that he can play you know i mean not like back in the day where you had a guy who his job was just to fight do you still get guys like that or do you look to make sure the kid the guy's able to play as well well they put the rule like our we got a 72 game schedule and the rule is if you get the 10 fights you start getting suspended so um you know, we opted to go with team toughness because you can't have the one guy who just goes out there and does it every single night because they're going to end up suspending them forever, right? So you've got to spread it around. Like, we got the captain of uh, the University of Windsor last year, Kyle Hawes, defensive defenseman, um, came in, surprised everybody, led the league in majors and PIMS, and uh, he's the toughest guy, uh, but he went along with five or six other tough guys. But, man, this guy was was crazy tough, and he adds a different element every single time uh, he's out on the ice, knowing that if, if it ever gets into a situation, you got somebody to uh, to ring the bell there. So you realize when, if you don't have them, that's when you're like, shit, you know, like this is this is a position I wish we had. But for, for leagues that still still have fighting, like for us, I think it's really important to find those guys, but not designated tough guys like you're saying, Brooksy. Like they got to be able to play, but at the same time. And that's, you know, they're, they've got a bright career ahead of them if they can do both, if they can play and then they can fight. See, and one player that I like to use as an example, I know he's obviously the National Hockey League playing right now, and I believe Gilly's brought up this guy was uh, Ryan Reeves with uh, with Vegas, right? There's there's a guy who can drop the mitts. There's a guy who can put the puck in that surprise that he's not going to score you 30 goals a season, 20 goals at last season, but you know what? He could actually crash the net and put the puck in the net, okay? And he liked he referred to a guy like Kyle Clifford as well. There's another guy in Toronto who is that two-way, the physicality, yes, another guy who's not going to put up 20 goals a season for you. But when you're playing the fourth-line grinder-type minutes and you're, you're there to spark the team in the positive way, not to take a stupid penalty uh, in any kind of means, I think that's a prototypical enforcer that you'll see nowadays in the National Hockey League or in the East Coast American Hockey League or anything of such. Obviously, you've got those guys that are going to be absolute monsters that are going to be specimens out there that are going to be the more of that enforcer classic role that we're supposed to see. But they're trying to pull them away from that now and be that more, if you are that type of player, maybe more of that Ryan Rees, more of that Kyle Clifford type player. Or am, I, am I incorrect by saying that? No. When, and, Brooksy, I'm sorry to jump in and probably cut you off here, but when my last game in North America Pro was 2010 and, you know, I was a, like a third-line center and the guys I was playing with, like I was a rat like a rat like I was you know I'd, I'd be running my mouth 
doing nothing with the puck and just out there sticking guys. And I couldn't do that unless I was playing with a Chris Kovalik, who's a, you know, just a six foot five long reach. He knew his role or an Armando Scarlato, big, these big tough guys. Like I, I couldn't do that anymore. And when you have somebody like that on your team, you're, you know, you can run your mouth a little bit, you know, have a little bit more confidence to stir it up. Um, you know, and I'm sure guys like uh, on Vegas, they, they won't mind that because they know whatever they do, they've got Ryan Reeves ready to go. And, and, you don't want to get into a situation where you're going to be faced with that either. You don't want to know Brooks. You've had, you've got, you've had guys that I'm sure you play with. And obviously you guys know, well, we've talked about Trevor Gillies. We've talked, we've also had Kelsey Wilson on the show. We've had guys who are absolute monsters of guys. And it, that, that side of the game has pulled away. And Brooks, I'll go to you first. We're going over to Ben. Is it for the best that we're seeing more skill than, that we're seeing less enforcement. Well, hey, Brooksy, even even before you answer, have we plugged how tough you are? Yeah, have we know, talked about that. Have we <laughs> have we seen some legit Brooksy fights? Like you throw <laughs> some haymakers, man. Like yeah. you'd be surprised. You're not the pro typical fight, but anybody that's listening that doesn't know, check him out online. He's got some good ones. Yeah, the uh, I appreciate that, Ben. Yeah, no, but uh, you know, but I grew up in that era where you know, unless you were a uh, 40 50 goal score where i was like a 20 between 20 to 30 where i can score you had to be able to do that you had to be able to fight defend yourself uh because of that time i grew up in you know and i think uh, i think that's what your dad loved about me is that yeah i could score i can skate but you know what if you if time was called i gotta drop the gloves i was always game and believe me you're gonna know that i might not win them all but i won a fair amount but I, you were going to know that you were fighting and you were in a fight. So uh, I, I took pride in that. And, uh, you know, it kind of, I think, propelled me to the career I had because of it. But yeah, like back to your question there, Dave, I think, I think it's so important that you do keep a little bit of it in there. You know, like Gilly said, like who we had on uh, not too long ago on the podcast there for us. And uh, I just think it's, it's so important to, to have these guys to police the ice because if not you know you're gonna have these brawls that are unnecessary where guys are actually gonna get hurt when things aren't you know rolling the way they're supposed to no that's where the thing is and from you as a coaching perspective Ben you have a guy who's on the other team running your guys out there you kind of want to have a guy in your repertoire in your ammunition if you will to be able to go stand up to that guy out there like if anybody's that's listening that uh the East Coast might not be at the, the very top of all your, you know, Saturday night viewing plans here, but there's some great hockey and there's some great rivalries. And we went down to Florida uh, to play Jacksonville for the uh, uh, first uh, road trip down to, down to Florida. And um, they're, they were a last place team and, and we were coming on at the time and our leading scorer, Brady Shaw, he, he got hit in overtime and the guy just left his feet at his head, knocked him out bloody everywhere you know like swollen face and this is overtime and uh he's ble- bleeding out any everywhere no call on the play okay we come out next shift and we win an overtime big emotional thing and as a rookie coach which i need to be better at control my emotions i'm in there we're gonna fucking kill those guys we're we're dressing all the tough guys like you boys better be ready to go like you know i'm emotional and something i probably got to work on next year but anyways we're we're invested right like here's a rivalry they haven't they haven't done anything and you're going into a situation you'd rather have those guys than not have those guys because um, they had Emerson Clark, the captain in Jacksonville for, for he's been a career minor leaguer. Maybe some people know that name, but he started shitting warmups the next day, right? He started talking to me and the coach, like, we'll fucking kill you in the parking lot. He's telling us, and we know it's on, like we almost brawl in, in warmups and people come out and separate us. And so we know it's on uh, going into the game. And this is a big viral moment. Maybe a lot of people saw this, but you know, there was there was one fight, a great toe-to-toe to start, and um, the captain, Emerson Clark, came by, said the same thing, and we looked down the bench, and we've got we got toughness. Like, we had a lot of tough guys, and we dressed everybody, put the five guys out there. And my assistant coach is 300-plus pounds. He's a former retired tough guy. He couldn't wait. He was licking his chops, like, okay, boys, like, you're ready? Like, he was waiting to put those guys out. So we knew, drop of the puck, next thing you know, we've got a brawl. You know, three guys go at it, four guys go uh, go at it, uh, like four separate fights, and there's penalties, and they get two shots in the first period. 
and we I think we're out shooting them like 21 to two. They get two shots, score two goals. We're winning three two. So um, it's it's going it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. And then towards the end of the um, the first, there's a, a another delayed penalty. Like we've had six straight, and we're killing them. And the, we we've won a lot of fights at this point. And our goalie's going off, and Emerson Clark goes over and attacks the goalie like out of fucking nowhere, like jumps at him. And and it's on like it's mayhem at this point. And the people in South Florida are loving it. Right? Like, believe me, like, oh, yeah. loving absolutely. It. And so it's on and they come over to the bench. And once they get close to the bench, it was it was so dumb because our guys grabbed them. Like you got to what anybody that hasn't seen this clip, you should hear announcer. It's a WWE match down there. Like our guys. Are from the bench. <laughs> he must have thrown 15 haymakers at the guy's head. You know, like three of our guys had grabbed them and held them there. And both Haas and Stewart was just teeing off on them. Like it was, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but it's straight out of a wrestling match. One, one referee is trying to control it. Next thing you know, Clark gets up and starts wrestling the linesman. Jersey's the linesman, takes his bucket <laughs> off. Like he's going wild. Like this you is the California Penal League. <laughs> yeah. You don't see this stuff. And it is a wild, wild viral clip. Um, and people love it. I'm sure it sells tickets for the coast, but same thing. Like those, you don't get into those matches going, you know, you don't enter the, uh, a gunfight with, with a couple knives there, you know, like you got to be fully loaded. And for our, our guys, that's what we knew in Fort Wayne, we had to have team toughness because we, um, we went into some situations that were pretty good. Well, you're just telling that story right now, and it's bringing me back to old school excitement instantly. You know what I mean? I, I instantly wish I was there to watch it live, you know? And, oh, well, uh, just beer throwing. Imagine the intensity in the crowd and the fans uh, chirping too. Like, it makes you think of slap shot days. You want to know the best, the best, speaking about slap shot, okay? The best um, minor league story I have is uh, when I played in Flint. Um, we, we, our captain was Chris Bogus and we were playing Bloomington, um, that had a bunch of tough guys. And, uh, we went, we, we went in there, we were getting killed and they were there on five, we're on five and three, something like that. And Justin Sawyer hauls off, breaks our guy's nose and, uh, we lose the game and, um, uh, or we're on our way to lose the game. And between the second and third, um, our coach is Jason Mazzotti, who's a former uh, National Hockey League goalie. You know, he's gotten in some goalie fights and everything, too. Our captain is a beloved guy. He's got three kids. He's, why the fuck am I still playing this game? He's sitting there, and everybody's <laughs> emotional, right? This is old school. Like, these are these are brawls. And Mazzotti comes in, and he, he puts her backup goalie in. He says, Neater, you're going in. So he, he ends up going in. He starts all the tough guys, and he draws up a play. You know, like, a, and not with the puck about how to jump Justin Sawyer. He's got <laughs> X's and O's on the board about who's got to tie him up. And then Tazzolino's going to come in from the side and sucker him. And these guys are going to start a brawl, you know. And, like, we're literally drawing X's and O's. It had nothing to do with a puck, nothing. It was, and the goalie, right away, as soon as we started that sucker punch, we turned behind, we look, and our goalie was already at the red line, like, <laughs> skating in. And so it was a massive, massive brawl. Like These are all things that brawl. just don't happen anymore. You don't even no. know it's real. I got to look and it up, and I look forward to seeing it. You, you should. And then the response, because like, we were in Flint, and there's nothing. Like, the city is so, like, it, it was dead. It was the last year. There's nothing. We had no fans, uh, like maybe five, 600 fans a game at this point. And we put in the paper, like, we're coming for blood in Flint <laughs> on a Friday night. There's 5,000 people. You know, yeah. We haven't drawn this well at all. So... I got scratched along with another guy, and we we called these these three guys up from I don't know where they played, but one guy was Russian, didn't speak English, refused to put on a helmet or shoulder pads for pregame skate. You know, like it was people are out there like in Flint. You can only imagine these grimy, dirty minor pro hockey stories. They're beating a a, a rusty car out front like they want blood. <laughs> this is slap shot to its finest, and uh, so I'm scratched. So I'm calling it from the booth and. Uh, they've got the old benches with the one pane of glass that separates it. And do you know Leambus? You know, like Leambus was playing for, for Bloomington, and we had a couple of fake tough guys that got called up. And next thing you know, we're getting killed. Like, I'm watching this, and our, our guys uh, that are doing shadow boxing in the room and throwing up because they're so nervous going into this, this thing. <laughs> he, he's got, uh, after the game, I forget who, what his name was, but he had, like, maybe 20 family and friends 
and he got called up. This was his moment. People are in the crowd. He's shadow boxing in the room, and he comes out, right, and he starts shitting warm up. Next thing you know, his first shift, he's trying to do stuff at a face-off, so the ref comes out and gives him a warning. He drops his mitts right off the face-off, and Leambus kills him, like kills him. Like here's a, here's a guy who fought all his way to the NHL, and, and he got into a fight and just destroyed him. So he's dripping blood, and he's everywhere, pushes a ref, and he gets – gets ejected so this guy's claim to fame was playing one second of ice for the flint generals and he's gotten wounds <laughs> after the game he's like he's he's cut open his face his family was and proud he, and he's he's got all the family he's meeting them there like i'm telling you it was all but it sold tickets and that's what they wanted like these those were fun fun moments that yeah. you could never recreate these days i don't think you got no, him the, like giving thumbs up to the crowd, trying to get them pumped up, throwing his arms in the air after taking the <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's just it's wild. It's so crazy, just... these stories. But if you think about, like, you know, the, these levels, like where the Flint Generals and, uh, you know, the players that have played and in, in, in the East Coast, the guys that come out of this league and become superstars in the NHL is crazy. So you're actually still getting that amazing hockey just with that, aggressive entertainment along with it you know it's it's pretty amazing you know what you go through through all the levels when you get a chance to actually play from the minors all the way to the nhl if if i i know you guys are in the sioux and and not a lot of people would know about fort wayne indiana it's it's not necessarily a tourist trap but um as far as hockey it's the second longest tenured minor pro hockey franchise out there right hershey's number one and so we've been 68 straight years in Fort Wayne, and uh, we, we've had the league leading attendance. I mean, home openers are 10,500, um, just unbelievable history. It's, it's so awesome to play here. And, you know, if you're thinking about the minors and we're telling those stories, I mean, for every bad story, there's, there's, there's these ones that I look at now. Like, how, how am I behind the bench of this storied team that's won so many championships where my dad got his start? You know, and and there's it, it's it's unbelievable, you know, to look back on some of those. And then this is such a hockey market, a big town hockey market that really probably not a lot of people have heard of um, unless you've ever been been here to play a hockey game. But it's I, I feel lucky because this is one of the truly great hockey marts, hockey markets in all of North America. Well, I want to ask you, you know, leading in there, because your dad, you know, he was a player coach there, I think, to start in Fort Wayne. Am I correct in the IHL? Was yep. he a player coach? Yeah. And you know what I mean? He, your dad's a legend there. Like, I think the one year he had uh, 80 games, I think he had 40 goals and 100 assists or something in 80 games. And the mm-hmm. IHL back then was a great league, you know. And, uh, you know, he, he's a legend there. And then he went on to be a coach there. Um, I want to know when you got your, you know, the first contract, in Fort Wayne to become an assistant coach where your dad started as well. I want to know what went through your mind and what you were feeling when this first happened. The, uh, the story was really cool because, you know, I'd spent three years all with the Edmonton Oilers farm system, um, you know, and, and they'd put me in uh, Norfolk for two years and they had asked me if I wanted to go back to Norfolk and I had the, the opportunity to interview in Fort Wayne and, you know, you can't ignore the history. So when I'm going to Fort Wayne to interview, I know in the back of my mind, they make me an offer. I'm going there. Right. I mean, that's just, that's what you do. If you want a hockey career, you're going to go to the best place. It's, um it, it's a no-brainer so they offered me the gig and um moved my family we had our kid here uh cooper um born here the first day of training camp actually so the you know Amazing. i got get the get the job and you're looking forward to it and and next thing you know i'm getting a call on practice okay we got to go so i didn't spend the next four days at camp but you know our first year we made it to conference finals game seven loss in overtime um you know we're right right there uh the second year you know, big time uh, step back. They they ended up letting the coach go, which opened up a big time opportunity for me. And I was the first rookie head coach in 68 years uh, for this franchise. And, you know, my dad had won coach of the year. Um, they were responsible for, you know, uh, getting his foot in the door. He, even though he coached Fort Wayne as a player coach for two years, went to Muskegon for one and came back for a second. He, he won coach of the year. He set scoring titles. Um, you know, uh, anytime my name's mentioned, they, they often are, are referencing my, my old man first, right? So he's already set the tone of, of kind of what, what to accomplish. And so there, there's that, that 
I wouldn't even say burden, but there's that expectation that people want you to come in here because you're the offspring of somebody who came in here that did great things. They want you to do better things. And for me as a coach, you know, there's so much pressure and, and um, that I don't think I really truly understood until like the first game, like you go through the summer and it's all congratulations and people, are, you know, you finally got there, you know, it took six, six years in the pros to get the opportunity. And, you know, you're building up in the first game and nobody's afraid to tell you the first game in Fort Wayne, it's, it's worth 10, you know, you have to win. Like you, you don't lose like there there's, and they're not afraid to tell you, you know, they're, they want you to win and they will accept nothing less. And the owners all fly in and all the community businesses are there. Ten and a half thousand. The lights are off. Doc Emmerich has narrated the opening. They've got the orange, uh, you know, the lights going off. Like, man, my, my skin is, is, is trembling right now because the immense pressure to win that game. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, the introductions that they, they said that the unbelievable record, I think they've only got like seven home losses or something. I'm, I'm sure that stats wrong, but um, for home openers, but, that there's so much pressure going in that first one. Um, and again, there, you can't ignore that story. Like you're not going to hide behind it, but um, we come out and the place is rocking. This is the best atmosphere I think I've ever been in. And we score 17 seconds into the first game on the very first shot of my first career game coaching as a head coach, you know, like uh, talk about a relief, you know, like <laughs> we intercepted a pass. Out of the blue line, the first breakout, we went in and shot for a defenseman. and went five on a rookie goaltender. I mean, it was it was just relief because of the pressure. And we ended up winning that game 5-2. We had two power play goals, a shorthanded goal, two fights. You know, and then after, the smiles and the people coming to you. And, and oh, great job. I knew you. You know, like the relief that you just got that first one out of the way. I don't think I've ever been in a more pressure-packed scenario. And. You know, I I, under, I, I don't understand because I've never been there, but I can um, start to even think or relate the pressures in the NHL. You know, like I, I couldn't even imagine when everybody in the world is talking about it to be the Leafs coach, to be the Habs coach. I mean, it would be it would be a blessing. But it also, I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine of the negative side when things are going wrong and you can't lift your head or or go go be seen in public because we had a similar thing like that here too and it's you know for a big market it's tough and you think oh jesus you know some no wonder my dad's in a bad mood they've lost three in a row you know he doesn't want to talk to me so it's oh. <laughs> it's start to understand that uh a little bit how how it goes and you know my wife knows at the same time too things aren't going well like you know just give your space you know take it easy but it's it's been a curse at the same time but at the end of the day you're you're going into the ring to do what you love and as a player, some guys' playing career ends. And I feel like, you know, my playing career never really took off, but my coaching career is just scratching the surface because I think I'm pretty good at what I do. And I think I got a lot to look forward to. And, you know, if you ever have success at this level, it'll set you up for the future. So we're, we're in the best spot to have success. And that's, that's what's exciting. So you know what? And I'll say flat out right now, and this is something that we're not going to get into at all because this is the beauty about social media. Obviously, there's rumors going around about your dad, where he's going to go next. And, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> I, I take my hat, my host hat off for a second, put my fan hat on. I'm obviously a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, uh, which I, I guess I'm a sucker for pain, I guess you can say. Uh, but, yeah, like, obviously, there's been rumors about him just going right to obviously maybe to be an assistant coach in Toronto. And I'm not asking for any proof or anything like that. We're not that type here on the show, but you brought it up a little bit earlier where you said that it's the market, you know, the Toronto's, the Montreal's that market is just absolutely insanity when it comes to even to social media, but Oh, apparently Gretzky's going to come out of retirement and sign with the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. So there's obviously a lot of things to being a coach and being in the spotlight, but you brought up the part there where you said just uh, obviously if things aren't going right, got to have your space, which kind of leads me into my point where, you know, as a coach, we've had some coaches on this show, in particular Paul Maurice being a fan or a fan and a friend of the show. And obviously from Sault Ste. Marie, Paul Maurice, who he's heavily watched, uh, especially from the Sioux, as he is in Winnipeg. But being a coach, is there ever – this might be even just even an easy question to answer, but just nerves in general, just be just because of the way a coach and how the job is set up, just overall nerves. Is it each game? Is it just where if you're in your last year of your contract for you got to resign? How does it feel to be in the life of a coach just being in that position? It's it's it for me, it was a roller coaster this year. Like, I'd love to tell you, like, oh, you know, I expected this and that. And, 
you know, like the, the one thing that, that didn't change, the X's and O's, the things that I knew that I, I grew up and the way to communicate with people, those are two things for, for me uh, during practices and everything that were fine, but controlling emotions and riding that wave because I was on a one-year deal, right? First year head coach, 68 years, you know, like you're, you're in the, the we're going to give you one opportunity because, you know, you've got the, the lineage, right? I, and I'm not saying that's why, like I've earned it, but you know, that's also a part of it. I'm not, I'm not naive enough to, to say that. And so there's pressure and we started out like nine and two at home and we're, we're on fire, right. And, and seven in a row come, come mid December and things were looking good. And then next thing you know, we lost eight, eight in a row. And the next, the biggest sellout was new year's. And that was our eighth against our rival. And, you know, there were, you're in the meeting, you're meeting with the president on Monday and, you know, things aren't going well and you're on a one-year contract and we floated all the way down to fourth in our division, right on the bubble of making the playoffs, like one, two points up on a, on a playoff spot in January. And so you're on a one-year deal and you know, things aren't looking good. And next thing you know, it's, we're making a bank appointment because you're trying to save enough money to get through the summer. Cause if you don't, you're, you're, you don't make the playoffs, your job's done. You know that, right? Like your livelihood, your career, your kid, everything is uprooted and it's all based on on outcomes of games that that you're trying to have an influence on so talk about the pressure because if things aren't going well when you want them to go well so badly you know it's heartbreaking and you're trying to do everything you can and sometimes it's just not going your way and you want people to have patience but we all know that's that's not how it works so there was a dark time there for us where we were losing games because of our our star players weren't there and we had call-ups and injuries like crazy and we just weathered the storm and ended up going 10 and four in our last 14 to uh, pretty much secure a, a playoff berth right before the season canceled. But the, the pressures, the, the ins and outs, like it's the juice is worth the squeeze. If, if, if you're in a good situation, but inevitably getting into this business, you know, there's going to be a rough road at some point there's, there's going to be a unhappy ending at some point. So you got to make the most out of it. And believe me this year, like you, you pinch yourself, uh, going through it because there's so many lessons to learn as far as emotions up and down and every scenario. But at the end of the day, like when it, what, the same thing I said, you're going to work to, to, to stay in hockey. And that was my number one goal. It wasn't to become a coach here in this great city and a unique opportunity. It was just to stay in hockey. I mean, you know, I could have been sharpening skates as an equipment manager or a ref. I went to Nassau camp as a ref when I was 25. You never know. And I've been given a great opportunity and, and, uh, just I, I still feel so lucky that I'm able to do do what I do. And I think that's probably why Brooksy played until he was 65 years old, too. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's, we're, we're just lucky to be involved when you love something so much. Any any time you get to call it a job, it's uh, it's a blessing. See, you know, flat out. And there's only obviously I'm not bringing up my past. I know Brooksy always chirps me when I do. But you can fly out, say, from a coaching perspective. That I was an assistant coach for a year and a half in junior A level hockey for Blind River years in Sault Ste. Marie. It's through the NLJHL. And when you go from playing to coaching, it is a complete different view. So, right? Like people say, ah, oh, if you're a good player, you're probably going to be a great coach. Now, I like to refer to Wayne Gretzky with that. Obviously, he coached. The, the Coyotes, okay, so obviously had some time, but it didn't turn out as people would have expected to, right? So being a great player doesn't mean you could be a great coach. Being a mediocre player doesn't mean you could be a great coach either. So just coaching such a unique position because it's hard as fuck. I'm going to say it right now. It, it, the pressure, never mind just to win, but making a team buy into the system. And you know what? Being a coach you got to be able to coach the right team, the right players. You know, you can have a team full of all-stars, but maybe your coaching scheme and style doesn't work with that team and you won't succeed, which then considers yourself as the coach maybe a failure or just not the right coach people thought you were or maybe it ruins another chance in the future or whatever it may be. Just nothing but respect for anyone who is a coach. And back to the playing days when you used to shake your head at what the coach thought or if you're looking up at the coach wondering why he's not putting you on the ice, there's a lot of pressure just being and standing there that obviously doesn't happen in professional hockey as it does in maybe minor hockey but nonetheless you still doesn't matter what level you coach nothing but respect to the coaches because it is a fucking hard job obviously harder in the in the professional levels than it is a minor level no offense but it's full of pressure full 
of just decisions and just your scheme, your style. It has to fit with the team. And if it doesn't, everything just doesn't really fall apart necessarily, but it just doesn't go as planned. And then you got to change your plans as a coach. That's what makes a good coach. So obviously it's just great, great stuff. I know a lot of coaches this year have had some issues in particular with Mike Babcock, right in Toronto, like a lot of pointing fingers, a lot more uh, issues with coaches that came out this year in the professional level. And, Obviously, it's a position that needs to be respected. Now, Brooksy, I know you had something to bring up, so I'm going to slide over to you. Yeah, no, I just had a couple of things. Well, you know what? I was fortunate enough to um, play for Ben, actually. Like, he was one of the uh, coaches in Bakersfield when I was in a transition time waiting to sign a contract in Europe, which they knew. And I needed to get on the ice, and I gave Ben a call, and I'm like, do you guys need a guy in short term, you know, where I can come in and hopefully help you out before I sign uh, back over in Germany in the DEL? And, you know, right away, Ben was like, yes, get your ass here. They did everything they could. And when I was there, because I know Ben, I, I got to watch him and actually see him and his passion as a coach. And it's amazing for me knowing him as this little kid to a guy who's kind of guiding me and, you know, actually learning some things from him as well for my career as an older guy. Uh, and that's where I feel like, you know, with the help of his dad and actually his passion towards this game of hockey, uh, it's been so amazing to see. And his stick handling, I have to say, because he was in charge of the skills for the team, your hands have gotten better for sure since you retired from playing. Oh, Brooksy, I'm sick. <laughs> your hands were so good i'm like how did he just do that like i can't do that at all you know i won't even oh, attempt it men's league thursday night my favorite night of the league you know our favorite <laughs> night of the week you know you get, you get out there a couple of dangles a couple sauces things are all right again yeah. it's, it's awesome but i, I just so wanted I, to say uh, yeah oh, go ahead fine. sorry no, no, no. I, I, I didn't have anything important. I was just going to talk about You know what? I'm cutting you off from telling all the men's league goals you just scored. I was excited. <laughs> I was going to talk about them, but I can't. Okay. Okay. Keep finishing. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, they, I just wanted to say I'm proud of you as a coach and what you've done. And uh, you know what? I wish nothing but the best for you in the future. But before we sign off here, I know you have a little story that you want to tell, or maybe you don't want to tell, but I, I want to hear it and I want people to hear it about your short uh, little uh, camp there in the OHL. I want to hear it. <laughs> the, I know you, you know, have a good story. Because I, I, I saw Gillies the other day too, and uh, fuck, I just got back from the dentist, man. And for anybody that's played hockey that's had teeth teeth work done, like it's – you know, it's it's almost like a rite of passage. Like, oh, you're a hockey player, you're missing your teeth. Yep, you you feel proud about it. And um, the first time I did it, oh, I got uh, I got an invite uh, to the Mississauga camp when I was 15 years old. And um, you know, Don Cherry, my old man, were sitting next to each other, and they they knew each other from back in the day. And Ty Domi had pulled his Ferrari up there, and and he was at the camp. So it was an exciting first day of like summer camp in Mississauga. And Brian Brian McGratton had come down and. You know, I'm 15, he's 19 at the time, just a beast. I, even at 19, like just a monster of a human being. His presence is there, signed the, the contract. So, I, you know, he's letting his presence know. He lets everybody know that, you know, he's bigger than you. You know, like, I'm scared shitless. So the first thing that we do, like there's no practice. It's a scrimmage. And I'm in the, the starting um, uh, face-off. And at 15, it's the first time I can wear a uh, half visor, mind you, too, right? Because normally my midget year, I'm, I'm wearing a cage. And so I'm, I'm pumped. And I don't know if you can remember that far back, what that was like to, to put on a visor for the first time. But I was excited. You know, you've got Don Cherry in the crowd, Ty Domi, your old man, you know, and, and I'm lined up to, to Brian McGratton. And um, the guy's towering over me. So I'm excited. They drop the puck and they win it. And I go to take two steps up. Uh, McGratton goes to lift my stick, misses, and just guts me as far as my two front teeth. <laughs> right? Like, I go down. I go down. He misses <laughs> He just, like, the, the puck has been dropped for not even a second, and he's already taken my two front giblets out in summer camp in Mississauga. And uh, I go down, and I'm bleeding right away. Like, it's a mess. Like, it's not a little thing. Like, my two friends, like, I'm bleeding. What the fuck, man? <laughs> His response. He's like, what are you going to do about it? 
I go, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love I, it. I'm holding my own two front teeth and bleeding from my face, and I just apologize to Brian McGratton for getting my mouth in the way of the stick. <laughs> so that's now, what would have happened oh if you God. fought him? What would have happened if you fought him? <laughs> there's no, there's, you know what Phil Kessel looked like going against John Scott. That would, have, that would have been me in the corner. Oh my God, talk about first experience. We wouldn't Jesus. be talking to you today if you fought him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's- that's oh, good. That's good. I still like him to this day. I don't think I've ever seen him face to face after again to tell him, but I'm I'm a fan of him actually. I like him. I think he's a good guy. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about him. You're just scared to say anything bad, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, he's yeah, great. You know what? He's fantastic. I, I, I he's a great guy. Just overall great guy. <laughs> it's uh I one thing that I'll bring up is before we sign off too is you had some experience with somebody who's kind of known from Sault Ste. Marie as a goaltender with the Greyhounds this year. He played, I believe, it's just under 10 games with you guys this year. Matt Volalta. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Matt. He's obviously a draft pick of the Kings. Uh, he's uh, obviously he's well known here in Sault Ste. Marie for many years that he's spent with the Greyhounds and obviously a favorite. So I'm sure some local Sault Ste. Marie, I'm going to give uh, some of the local community a little uh, little shout out here in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, just kind of an update on Matthew Volalta, which you see in him as a, as a goaltender from your coaching perspective. Consummate pro. Like he comes in as a kid and it's, it's tough on an NHL entry level to make that jump and um, took it in stride coming down from the American league. Cause he didn't start at the beginning of the season with us. And some people see it as a demotion. He came down to play some games and um, you know, it, it didn't go probably as well as he would have liked to, as far as numbers wise. But you know, the one thing that I loved about him every single day, he was the same pro him and Marcus Phillips who played in London um, we're getting to the rank way before us. Sometimes they'd show up at like 3.30 on a game day and make me look bad that they're showing up early, but um, loved them as far as being a, being a pro. And then he got settled in his first couple months when he got his call up and, and some of his numbers were actually really good in the American League. You know, so I think he ended up turning a lot of heads as far as in that organization. And as far as our affiliation, like we were with Vegas and L.A., um, why we saw a couple guys and we're hoping, um, you know, to find out who we're going to be with again. But, you know, for his sake, I wouldn't want to see him at our level. But I think he's got a great career ahead of him because, man, that guy's a good goalie. Yeah, he's definitely a competitor. That's what he was known for when he was here with the Hounds. I definitely wanted to give a special shout out to, in particular, Matt Volta and the Hounds because another page that has really followed us here on the Game Sports Show, the Ontario Hockey League Alumni Association. So make sure you give them a like and a follow. And I thought I'd make sure I don't forget to bring them in because, you know, as a job of being a host and running a show, then a company and everything, you need to make sure you plug in all of your sponsors and help promote the people that promote yourself. So, I want to say right off the hop, as long as Brooks, he's okay with it and you're good with it, I believe we're to get to our conclusion portion. I want to say thank you. First off, I'm going to save the best for last. First off to, to Brendan Brooks, our co-host, uh, for coming on the show and joining us here tonight. And another fantastic special edition broadcast. Yeah, no problem, man. It's always good to be a part of it and get these great people on. And uh, obviously, to be able to shoot the shit with you, my friend, is always good. See, you know what? I want to say thank you very much. The same way that we started it, I want to say thank you very much to Bruce Boudreaux's daughter, Ben Boudreaux. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that uh, if anybody wants to change that, feel free to go out there and give it a little tinkle there. No, for sure. But uh, uh, all seriousness. Thanks for having me, though. I appreciate it. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. But, you know, on a a good note, uh, thanks for having me. Wish you guys nothing but the best luck. I hope this thing keeps taking off. And, um, you know, again, uh, we'll be here anytime you, you need us. Definitely. And, you know, I'll have to look up if we can somehow connect. I'd like to come watch and see you in coaching action, myself and Brooksy, followed by hopefully going on the highway with a U-Haul, maybe even after. (laughs) It's not safe. I wouldn't follow me if I were you. It's not safe. (laughs) Uh, I love it. 
Uh, I want to say thank you again to Brandon and say thank you to uh, Ben Bujo for coming on our special edition broadcast here on the Game Sports Show. And I'm here to remind you to give a special check over to Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interior to make sure you check out Compass and Demansky on Facebook, Instagram, and their website on current sale options that will not only meet your needs but exceed them for sure from signage, banners, main office gear, and much, much more. Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interior. Special out to all of our sponsors as well. North Superior Brewing Company. You better have been enjoying a nice cold pint from North Superior Brewing Company while having this broadcast. Not just one, two, maybe three or four. Also, I want to say a shout out to Sports Center Bar and Grill. For the quitters in need, North Shore Sports and Auto and Thush Creative Co. in particular with Aaron Robinson. Fantastic job. If you've been listening through our website, just check that out. I don't need to explain anymore. Special shout out to our broadcasting partners. That being Sovereign Communications, ESPN, ESPN 1400, and on TV as well. And if you are on the Game Sports Show website, you have access to Spotify, Apple, Podbean Podcasts, and to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe on all of those platforms. And when it comes to previous editions, to make sure you have an eye and upper hand on future uploads and everything with the game, make sure you keep it locked here on the Twin Sues only local, regional, and national sports show. And don't hesitate to comment below. And if you have any questions to Ben, as I mentioned, comment below. And we'll make sure that he can get those for you. And if you want to ask him to deliver your car, I probably would not do that, however. Now, I'm here to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bat, cut your touchdown, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. <laughs>